Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Greatest Sports Podcast, but you knew that because you clicked on this, and we're happy that you're with us. I'm Doug Barry, along with my good friend, Father Richard Heilman, and tonight we've got John Henry Weston from LifeSite News. This is going to be a great program. We've been wanting to get him on, and he's finally with us. Uh, but before we get started, everything always needs to begin with prayer, and as always, we turn that over to Father Heilman. Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great. Thank you very much, Father. And we want to thank everybody out there who supports this work that we're doing. We really do appreciate your prayers. Your encouragement is amazing. Very, very helpful. Please don't forget to keep us in your prayers. Tuck us in your rosary. Tuck us in your moments of adoration. That's always incredibly helpful. And for those of you out there who support us through the Patreon program, thank you so much for that. You are always on our prayers. And if anybody's interested in joining us in the Patreon program, please click the link in the description below. It is tremendously helpful, especially in these days of constant canceling that seems to be going on everywhere. And our guest tonight, of course, knows a lot about that, which we'll get into. Also, don't forget to support us, if you can, through our U.S. Grace Force official gear page. Go on out, get yourself some great Catholic paraphernalia, T-shirts, hoodies, all kinds of things, men's, women's styles. Great way to get the message out. And again, it helps support the work that we're doing. Thank you so much for that. Now, John Henry Weston, uh, fantastic to have you as part of the program tonight. Uh, you have been in the trenches for a long time. I know you told me earlier you're coming up on your 25th uh, anniversary gala this coming summer here, well, later on this summer. Uh, whether or not you get there, it sounds like, is still questionable. Um, but it, could you start by just giving us a rundown about LifeSite News, where you are? There's been a lot going on with you guys, the deplatforming, the canceling in different ways. Just give us a rundown uh, where things are with you and LifeSite News. Yeah, things, things are going surprisingly well. Um, you know, we were canceled in some big ways. Facebook, Twitter, uh, and of course, the big one was YouTube. We had a massive channel on YouTube. We were growing in the neighborhood of 10,000 subscribers a month. And you know what that does. That's insane. Mm -hmm. um, and we had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of subscribers, and we were taken off. We were canceled in the worst possible way. We couldn't even get to old videos. We had, you know, one video was out there with 8.7 million views. We couldn't even retrieve it. So it's, it, was a, it was a hurt that we thought, oh, how are we ever going to come back from this? But you know, the Lord is really, really faithful. And so we just pushed ahead and went forward. We didn't know because we got canceled from so many of our subscribers, lost touch with them. We thought, gee, is our fundraising going to make it? It has. And our Lord has seen fit to keep us going. So for 25 years now, we've been that way, relying on our Lord to do it. Very much like in, uh, if you read Mother Angelica's book, she says, well, there was no sort of big grand plan. It was our Lord's. She had this desire. I got to have one of those talking about a TV studio. And uh, for us, it was kind of similar. You know, we were actually started uh, from a pro-life group in Canada, their website. Uh, my colleague who started LifeSite with me, Steve Jelsevec, he was asked to start their website. And someone else said, oh, why don't we put John Henry's news thing on the website? And I was doing news by email and uh, that happened. And that sort of blew up. Eventually the pro-life group said, Hey, we want our own site that doesn't have this new stuff on it. Cause that's where everybody's going. And so we made two websites and it was a birth of life site news. It was in September of 1997. So uh, yeah, it's grown by leaps and bounds from the two of us just running it for a few years to now about 67 full timers. Uh, with wow. LifeSite, doing all sorts of amazing things. In addition to the reporting, which has about 30 stories a day every day, um, we have a video site, of course, with tons of videos, amazing stuff. We're so pleased to bring out. For instance, one just recently, we were in uh, Nairobi and followed a nun in her great work with the poor and especially bringing them the message of chastity. Just beautiful stuff in, in the heart of Africa. It was really amazing. And we do a petition site where we've been able to support awesome people like 
Father Altman, we delivered him, I forget, it was 67,000 signatures of support when he was canceled. And uh, Cardinal Burke, the same. And then some petitions to say other things to other people. And so a lot of that. Um, and then really you've had an amazing thing the last few years, the ability to fund good groups. We recognized there was a horrific culture of even very good Catholics not knowing where to give their charitable donations. You know, they want to support the third world. And how do they do that? Because all these organizations are steeped in abortion support or contraception or LGBT or whatever it is. Well, we started a GoFundMe alternative. When GoFundMe was canceling other groups that were, you know, a pro-traditional family, they would lose their funding. Yet we thought, well, we need to do this. And so it's called Life Funder. And uh, it's been it's been an incredible thing. Just last year, we gave two million dollars away to really good groups. Oh, that's and, awesome! Uh, been able to do a lot of things, and we're so so blessed. And, and, and you got the twenty five year you got the twenty five year anniversary coming up. Mention a little bit about that. And it's it's down here in the states. You're up in Canada, and you're you're in a tough situation right now in Canada. Uh, what's that all about? We are. So our gala is in Naples, Florida. Go to gala twenty five dot dot com. And you'll find out all about it. Jim Caviezel is speaking there for us. But there is an odd thing. Both Steve and I are Canadians. We are the two founders of LifeSite News. And Canada has locked us down. Those who don't get vaccinated are unable to fly at all. And yet, even while we can uh, perhaps go by car and cross the border, uh, we still have to quarantine when we get back. However, President Biden has seen fit not to allow unvaccinated foreigners into the United States. So literally uh, a couple of years ago now from, from the northern traveling border. twice a month from the, right, northern, from the northern border. border. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> Many people have told me and I could probably pass it off that I have to go down to Mexico and just exactly. walk across and then I can get ferried to wherever <laughs> exactly. I want. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I could probably pass for it, I think. I'm, I'm, I can probably put on a pretty good Mexican accent. Too. But the, the thing is, you know, we've been unable to do that. So it's been two years grounded um, and literally not able to go to the United States to be with in-laws and all sorts of things we used to do. So it's, a, it's an interesting time. It's, it's been a challenge. And as I said, we're, we're doing a 25th gala and have no real clue that we can get there. So wow. all glory be to God. We've put it all in his hands. Wow. John Henry, I just want to personally and publicly thank you. Um, mm. You know, people come up to me and, and they'll maybe through the internet too, is, and just say, you know, I've had it. I'm getting off social media and all that. And I get that. Uh, it's intense. Uh, it's overwhelming. It's all that. But I always try to let people know that, you know, with all the lies we're being told by all the influencers in the world and all, all the all the media outlets that are totally in the camp, I'll, I'll just say with the global elites, that's what I believe. That's that's the school of thought I'm in. Um, it, it, that we're literally being indoctrinated, you know, by mm -hmm. by all these other sources. And I can't tell you how grateful I am for LifeSite News. I mean, to me, you've led the way in getting the truth out. You know tearing through the veil of, of all these lies and getting the truth out. And, and, and the other thing I'll say too, is that I've always appreciated your professionalism. You know, sometimes, you know, there's these memes and then these attacks and all with, with a lot of other um, Catholic news agencies. And, um, but uh, the, the quality of your, your pieces uh, every time it comes up in my newsfeed and social media, I'm just like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta read this. Um, and, and so where are we going to go to find the truth? There's, there's few sources any longer. And so again, and that's what I tell people when they get off of social media, the other thing with social media too, is that we've amassed this, um, we're at 80,000 now that are enlisted in the United States grace force. If people want to at usgraceforce.com, you'll find a place to just give your name and email and you'll get, um, emails about, you know, the art of spiritual warfare and, and, uh, and, and be involved in our spiritual warfare campaigns. Uh, that was a little uh, commercial break there, by the way. But uh, anyways, but, uh, but you know, if we're going to fight evil, we have to begin, I believe, well, first by prayer, 
but then by truth. And, and again, the dedication that LifeSite News has had for that, uh, again, I want to publicly uh, express my gratitude for, for what you've, you've dedicated your life to and, and, and how huge it is in this time. Um, John Henry, with your 25th coming up here, um, can you kind of share how you feel about social media and its role in this time of, you know, so many influencers and media outlets that are indoctrinating us? Well, there is a challenge. So both Steve and I are parents of eight children. We also were on the other side, both of us. He was actually a member of Zero Population Growth, and wow. I was a total heathenist. Heathenist. Wow. It was wow. terrible. But when we converted, he through Curcio, uh, me through True Devotion to Mary, St. Louis de Montfort's work, um, it was a total revolution in our lives and brought us from, you know, very far opposite to where we are now. But also both his parents, we've realized how crucial it is. Unless you as a parent are going to cut off all social media, are going to keep your children from the internet, are you going to take them off it completely? Unless you're not ready to do that, you have a duty to keep up with it yourself. Because you've got to know the lies that they're being fed so that you can give them the truth. And that has been sort of a, a guiding principle at LifeSite. We try and keep up with what's going on so we can feed the essential truths to people so that they can defend the faith, both inside of them, but also to their children and to the greater world that they're called to evangelize. Each and every one of us called to give evidence for the hope that's in us. I did not know that, that you were a heathen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some is, of it, the best. is it appropriate to ask you in what ways? Like, what did you do? What were the sins you had to <laughs> But it, I mean, no, no, just, it's, we're just kidding. No, I got off the road in, it's very easy because it's one of the things that takes most people off. I mean, for me, when I was a child, I was exposed, not child at 13, but exposed to pornography, found it in the laneway in Toronto mm -hmm. where I grew up. Oh, wow. And uh, that started me down a really bad path. Yeah. And really could only overcome that with true devotion. And uh, yeah, if, if, you, if you want a tiny little story that when I read True Devotion Mary, it was a revolution because it caused in me a crisis of faith. I realized, oh, dang, this is not like Sunday morning so I can have a lucky charm that I won't have such bad luck anymore. Yeah. It was you know, give your life away all day, every day for Christ and, and do what he wants. And, and yeah, wow. I was ready to do it, but only if it was true. And I had convinced myself already for years and years that there was no God. And uh, so that none of this mattered, but all through my life, my dad was there as an example, daily mass, daily rosary, but it wasn't even that it was more so the persecution he suffered for being that way from his own family, his own um, siblings and, and uh, his mom, you know, criticizing him for that kind of thing. His colleagues at work, he worked for Catholic Children's Aid. So they thought, hey, he thought it should be Catholic. And of course, everybody laughed at him. But then also from me and from my siblings as well. Mm. I remember coming home from dance clubs, two in the morning, finding him kneeling by his bedside, sometimes having fallen asleep, but still kneeling. My response was, what a silly old man. Hmm. However, that same vision of him getting persecuted, when I came with True Devotion to Mary, literally under my arm to ask him, okay, dad, I read your book. Is it true? Because it means giving away my whole life. I don't want to do that unless it's true. So tell me, because you love me, because that, that I did know. Is this true? And I couldn't ask him because his life spoke louder than any words he could have yeah. spoken yep. that persecution he suffered was the evidence that it was true wow. john wow. henry uh, That's I'll, awesome. I'm, I'm hoping that every parent with a wayward child or children is leaning forward right now because mm -hmm. um you give them a lot of hope and thank you for that uh, there, nothing is impossible with god is is the lesson there 
So uh, let's get into the meat of our uh, topic tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Henry, we've been talking with you off the air, and now, now we're now we're on. But uh, you, you're, 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 it seems like you're privy to some information, or at least you've you've done the work of doing a deep dive into what's going on. Uh, I'll just call it behind the scenes, but under the cover of darkness. And and we both agree too that not so much anymore any right now the, the evil is arrogant and out in the open, um, but here we are in these times and it just seems like something ominous is even ahead of us, but uh, they have a plan, don't they? Uh, do you want to help us to tap into what, what you know about that? The, the, and I think we're talking about the global elites or, or however you want to frame it. Yeah, definitely. I would call them the global elites. I think the plan has been out there for a long time. It's a plan that is multifaceted, but really it's about control of the populace by a small elite who I think in some ways really do believe themselves to be superior and to be able to um, manage the planet much better. And they literally want to cull the human population. The, the, even back when we started LifeSight in the early 90s, there was a conference in California. There was, um, you know, talk at this conference about culling the world's population down to 500 million people. Um, a speaker at this conference was full of the elites, all of the, you know, owners of the biggest companies, some political leaders as well. But they talked very openly about bringing the world's population down to a million or half a million what are you going to do with the rest of the 6 billion people? It's, it's incredible to even suggest such things, but there it was. And you hear these slip ups from the Bill Gates of this world talking about vaccines, but then talking about the need to call the population. And he, he has, of course, this glorious shtick right now that when you give them education, then they don't have so many children anymore. So the goal is population control still. It's just under under a guise. But if you listen to some of the elites that are now speaking, um, we of course heard Klaus Schwab over and over again, but uh, one of his main thinkers, his name is Yuval Noah Harari. Really incredible. He's, he's a historian. He is a very smart guy. Um, he's got some incredible quotes out there, superbly sinister. Scary as I'll get out, but they're said with such, it's just letting it all hang out there and yet nobody's reacting. You get the, the what might be called now the fringe reacting because we see it and we think, oh my gosh, how terrible. He's talking about hacking into people, hacking the human brain, being able to understand people better than they understand themselves. And he talks about there's no such thing as free will um, because they know and control people through algorithms. Um, And, you know, if you listen in depth, he gets into all of what we already know about how Google slants people towards certain political parties and certain political views. Um, And so all of that is going on, but he believes that is totally overriding. And then he actually talks about how in the future, this will only increase and increase to a point where artificial intelligence will sort of take over And then there will be two classes in society. One which knows how to do the work of AI, to program, to to work with the new intelligence. And then the others, who he calls, and literally calls useless people. What we're talking about now is like a second industrial revolution, but the product this time will not be textiles or machines or vehicles or even weapons. The product this time will be humans themselves. We are basically learning to produce bodies and minds. Bodies and minds are going to be, I think, the two main products of the next wave. Once you know how to produce bodies and brains and minds, so cheap labor in Africa or South Asia or wherever, it it simply counts for nothing. Again, I think that the biggest question, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decades, will be what to do with all these useless people. I don't think we have an economic model to, for that. 
My best guess, which is just a guess, is that uh, food will not be a problem. Uh, with that kind of technology, you will be able to produce food for, to feed everybody. The problem is more uh, boredom and how, what to do with them and how will they find some sense of meaning in life when they are basically meaningless, worthless. My best guess at present is a combination of drugs and computer games. So you notice there, he said his solution for these useless people. And of course, what he's referring to is, you know, we've got machines that can do all of the, of the planting and sowing. Everything we need can be done for us. Therefore, there's all these excess people. You've got machines building and factories and everything else. So he's envisioning a future not too long from now where there will be all these excess people. And what do they do? His solution, and you heard it yourself, is drugs and video games. And it's so interesting that that's already going on. It, it can be not so far down the road because already almost all of our children, almost all teenagers and almost getting into their 20s now, they're all addicted to video games. Video games are, are amazingly engrossing. Not like when we grew up and it was, you know, tick, tick, tick or yeah. something ridiculous. These are hugely engaging things where there's whole worlds to explore. And then drugs. In Canada, we not only legalized pot, we actually legalized in BC the use of hard drugs in small quantities, of course, but the use of hard drugs. That's just nuts, but that's actually where we are. Mm. So it's an incredible thing to watch play out in front of you and the elites to actually say it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And also in Canada, I know you're just, just lately, your, your amazing prime minister has decided to um, go after, you know, people's ability to defend themselves with firearms. Uh, just really blanket statement, that whole area while legalizing the drugs, which is happening down here as well. They're going after, you know, second amendment again, um, because you no know, law abiding citizens, I guess are incredibly dangerous, but the drug cartels in the Southern border, wide open, all kinds of stuff. Fentanyl is coming across uh, and an epidemic problem of fentanyl in the US and other parts of the world, I'm sure even in Canada. So, I mean, so yeah, this is very clear and you're right about this guy. And, and for the audience to know, he is a leading advisor to Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum, pushing the whole Great Reset. You know, Schwab wrote the book about the Great Reset and COVID-19 claiming that COVID-19 was, was really just a great piece of the puzzle now to help prepare people for the changes coming with the Great Reset. Now, I mean, John Henry, a lot of people have kind of scoffed at this, this whole idea of elitists and globalists, New World Order, uh, Great Reset, but they aren't hiding this anymore. And guys like, like uh, Harari here, they're very, very open about this. You know, the fact that he, at one point in one clip, references that, the Gestapo and the KGB were not able to do this hacking because they didn't understand biology and they didn't have the ability to compute or, or the, to, to- They didn't have data. the data, as he the always data. says. Yeah, that's it, the data, yeah. But, but he said, but we do. Now, why he would relate what he's bragging about to the Gestapo and the KGB, it should be a clear sign to everybody. Now, still, John Hooney, there are going to be people out there who are going to hear this and they're going to hear us talk they'll even hear these clips that we're playing and they'll say, yeah, that's, that's crazy talk. That's never really going to happen. But you know, you're, you're in this world where you're constantly researching these things. These things are happening right now. This, the AI push, you know, and Klaus Schwab has said, this is what he calls the fourth industrial revolution, the union of AI with human beings, basically transhumanism type approach. Can you talk a little mm -hmm. bit about what is actually going on right now, these steps that are already being taken and are already unfolding that are, that are really moving this direction very quickly? So I think the lid is off that how can people deny what's going on because they just lived it for two years. Right. Mm. The whole COVID lockdown business, look at the documents that are coming out right now. What is it with all of this forced vaccine when they knew what the vaccines would cause? They knew its level of ineffectiveness. And now 
even Bill Gates is saying what before you were canceled for saying hmm. about the vaccines. They're not very effective and they don't stop the spread. Oh, great. Thanks. What are they good for then? Who knows? But it's Bill Gates saying it. So, so it's all fine and good. Yet, had you said that 10 months ago, 20 months ago, you were pulled off the internet for false information. Mm -hmm. And now all the documents are coming up. So there is no more debate about, oh, is this something going on behind the scenes? Are we? Yes, it is. You know it is. You just suffered it for two years. Now, maybe you don't want to admit, maybe you want to be saying, okay, it was a big health thing. A lot of us thought that in the beginning, but when it went on and on and on, and the evidence was so painfully clear with the whole forcing of the illegality of treatments that actually worked, mm -hmm. something should have twigged. If it didn't by now with the release of the docs, you should at least see it, but most people aren't looking. And the media surely is not telling you. We've been told that the media was bought out by pharma. They were paid in the millions and billions of dollars to foist false information. That's why the elites can be so happy about the times we're living in. They control it all right now. And even for the few little voices, comparatively little voices that are out there, they've got cancel culture going big time through most of the means of communications. YouTube is the biggest bar none video channel on earth. And they are actively canceling people that they disagree with. You know, John Henry, I think what has gone on, at least again, I'm in a school of thought and here it is that there's been a great awakening through these two years. Um, I mean, look what the almighty dollar can buy that that the, the media was towing a line and and was was uh, was giving their the narrative that 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 um, the Almighty dollar bought uh, I've even lost some confidence in the medical in industry um, b through all of this because like you say um, w people were like trying to smuggle in the effective treatments into hospital rooms because it was outlawed and it, and, it, and there, there, there was clear evidence that this worked and some of the treatments in the hospitals weren't working uh, or exacerbating the problem. I mean, I, my jaw was just wide open. I'm going, really? It, it's this deep. It's this bad. It's this evil uh, that all of these characters come together. Somebody once said to me uh, to, to have this um, so organized uh, and so thought out, it almost has to come from Satan because humans aren't even uh, capable mm. of, of what went on uh, in the last two years. And so I, I guess that's part of my hope is that there is this awakening going on. I think it's, it's, we see it's so much like parents with school boards and stuff like that where you know, we're not, we're not going to take this any longer, but uh, I see it in so many other places too. Uh, where are you at, John Henry? Is it, do you have hope? I mean, that, 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 uh, that the, the, the useless that we're called uh, will finally, you know, step up. I, I call it get out of the bunker and get onto the battlefield and start taking back surrendered ground. Do, do you have hope? I have lots of hope. Good. but it rests in Jesus Christ. Yes. I'll tell you, Father, the evidence is that's out there right now shows this problem is much bigger and deeper than you might ever have thought possible because the whole Grace Reset agenda isn't only about what they've done with COVID, with wanting to control the world's population, with wanting to control freedom, with things like you know social credit scores, which are all over the place. They're also coming concomitant with and part of the whole woke agenda on, you know, the, the right to choose and the uh, LGBTQ plus uh, whatever alphabet agenda as well. And so they're coming together, but the most sinister evidence is not from the elites themselves, not from the media. The most sinister evidence 
is that the church that Jesus founded has also fallen prey to this yes. in a way that many people thought not possible. I was shocked. Yeah. Yeah. So no, Henry, you have watched a parade of population control mm. people go into the Vatican. The very same people, John Paul II, begged the pro-life groups around the world to fight at the UN are now parading around the Vatican as it seems like circuit speakers. They even had Paul Ehrlich, you know, the author of the population bomb right. coming to speak at the Vatican. In fact, it was so scandalous when he did, because he's regarded honestly as the father of the population control movement. When he was going to speak there, we actually interviewed him. And because it, we thought, gosh, Pope Francis invited you uh, to speak at the Vatican. We had a huge petition, uh, tens of thousands of people signed begging the Pope to rescind that. But when we talked to him, he said he was really pre pleased with where Pope Francis was taking the church. Hmm. And you also heard from the Vatican, from the very conferences where this is going on, the Vatican Archbishop Sarando, who heads up these conferences, say that he admired China in their approach on these things. But that has been, I mean, the most dictatorial, oppressive regime on the planet, which is doing active genocide on Uyghurs and other population, which is persecuting the Catholic Church, both by bulldozing shrines and by making a so-called patriotic Catholic Church, which basically is trying to eliminate the church and only appointing communist government approved bishops and, and with some strange agreement with the Vatican. But this is going on. And here's a bishop in the Vatican praising China. And even though it's known to be a genocidal regime, who praises it? Klaus Schwab praises it. Mm. All these leaders praise it openly. Our, our Canadian prime minister is praising China openly. And so, yeah, the evidence, though, coming from the church, both with regard to locking down and stopping the mass, virtually stopping the mass around the world for a huge long period of time, could only make me think of a scriptural, you know, warning about when the daily sacrifices stopped. It's supposed to be for three and a half years. I'm glad it didn't last that long. But, uh, you know, we're truly living in kind of biblical times. And the signs that Pope Francis is not only appointed James Martin, Father James Martin, to speak at the World Meeting of Families, the, the Vatican meeting, appointed him then to the, the um, Pontifical Council for Social Communications, then met with him personally, and now answers his dubia when he wouldn't answer the dubia of the four cardinals who begged him to write the errors he was doing with regard to church teaching. It's... It's unbelievable what's happening. And that is the clearest evidence of the depravity that we're in. I was so disappointed over the last two years. I, I, if you ever see me preaching, uh, I put a statue of John the Beloved behind me. Uh, and I kept referring to him that um, he stood at the cross. He stayed with our Lord, you know, even though it got tough. And the rest of the guys, you know, found themselves hiding out in silent self-protection in the upper room, right? Uh, you know, worried that they too would be crucified. And I just looked around and I, I was saddened by it. I was more than angry that um, that's what was going on during this time. You know, that, that silent self-protection and, and a plethora of priests were canceled for calling out this infiltration of evil that was going on and saying, we can't stand for this and we've got to rally together. We got to pray and we got to, you know, do whatever we can to stop this evil in our times. Canceled, canceled all around us. And that's the chilling effect, right? So every other priest is, I'm not going to get canceled. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it was so sad during the last two years. Mm -hmm. And I just pray God that it, there's an awakening. That, okay, you know, we learn by our mistakes. I was like, see, life is a classroom. Okay, we messed up. Didn't the apostles do that? You know, after they received the Holy Spirit, they said, yeah, 
I regret it. You know, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He gave him an opportunity to, to uh, because he denied him. He denied him. And that, that's what went on in the last two years. A complete denial of the will of God and, and a, and a, and a uh, compliance to the infiltration of evil. Uh, so I, I just I just pray that we've learned from this and that we're stronger because of it. Um, I don't know. Do you have any comment about what I said there? I uh, do, Father. You know, when we last met, you gave me a medallion. And I went to Rome and stood in front of the same statue that's cast on that medallion. And Our Lady is sitting there in her chair with on a throne with her baby son on her lap yeah. and she has her hand out like yeah. this and yeah. you get the clear message. Stop. Yeah. I know that's the hope. Yeah. This is as sister Lucy conveyed to Cardinal Kafara, the final battle between our Lord and the reign of Satan. It's over marriage in the family. Yes. And since it is the decisive battle, it will be the victory of our lady. This is where you will have the, you know, fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. Her heel shall crush your head. And you're going to have that in the most stupendous way. Because the forces we're fighting, they're so much more powerful than us. In every which way. There's, there's nothing we can do. We're so outnumbered. We're outgunned. We're outspent. There's no money in the world that can fight this agenda. But really neat. We're not fighting against human powers. We're fighting against angelic powers, which that makes all of our arms and anything that we can think of like nothing at all. And that's great. When we know that we are so outgunned, outnumbered, outmanned, that's when we can turn to heaven and say, we've got nothing, Lord. We've got you to look to. And um, there's great hope in that. Yeah, I. You know what? No, there's no hope. It's nothing but comets, comets. and asteroids are on the way. I think we all know this. Can we just get this out in the open? All right. No, we got this kind of running thing here. Father is Mister Optimist, and I'm Mister. No, it's all over with. No, but seriously, I am not. He's a not like that. No, no, I'm not. I'm not a pessimist, but I'm not an optimist. You're a realist. I'm a realist, and I think you know. John Henry, you paint some really good pictures that we all need to be looking at. I mean, I know there are people out there who they want to have hope. They say, "Well, I don't watch the news because it's depressing." Look, I don't watch a lot, but I watch enough and I pay attention because you do find a direction that we see things going. A rise in crime, for example, here in the States, where they started to defund the police in the last couple of years. And then, you know, we see this rise in crime and someone just randomly grabs a woman and throws them onto the train tracks of a subway. This sort of thing just happens out of the blue. Now in Seattle, just recently, it's been reported that they've not investigated any sexual assault or rape crimes in Seattle in the last, what, since the beginning of 2022, because their, their police force is, is so defunded, basically. So you've got things like that happening. We've got cases in, in L.A., and San Francisco, where they're trying to recall, you know, the, the DA here or there because they're soft on crime and they're letting people out. We've got the breakup of, well, the border, of course, it just speaks for itself. We could go on and on and on in things breaking down. Those facts are realistic and they're hard to look at, but not looking at the reality of the times is like saying there's a Category 5 hurricane off the coast. I know it's about to slam into my city. I'm just going to turn my back because it's depressing to consider that this hurricane is about to hit my city. It doesn't change the trajectory of the hurricane. And I just think that what you've presented is a very realistic look at number one, man is out of control with regards to cooperating with evil. It's in the Klaus Schwab's and the Yuval Noah Harari's and all the globalists and so-called elites that are out there. It's in social media, it's in the censorship, it's in the problem with CRT being taught in schools and, and all the push out there to undermine 
any good Christian effort to evangelize. They just they're afraid of the Catholics. And that statement you made earlier, John Henry, about the effort to reduce the population to about half a mil- half a billion or so, that is written on the Guidestone Monument outside of Atlanta, the Masonic Guidestone Monument. People see it here in the picture right now. This is a statement of their so-called call it 10 commandments of the Freemasons. And the number one rule or goal is to reduce the population to about half a billion. Well, Klaus Schwab has even mentioned in his great reset push that, you know, sicknesses and diseases help, but wars are also a way to do this sort of thing. So here we sit with the Ukraine Russian situation and they won't leave this alone as if they're trying to push us to a global, much more broader global war here. Um, reported over the weekend um, on uh, Fox News, there was a Dan Bongino show, uh, three headlines from Russian state media that we are already in a third world war. They're claiming that already. Now, how that manifests, the Lord will allow or, or intervene. But this, John Henry, the realistic look at all of this, also combined with the realistic look that you said and Father said about the triumph of Mary's Immaculate Heart, the reality of spiritual weaponry. But we need more people on board with that. We need more people engaging in it. And the fact that, as you clearly laid out, our church leaders are complicit in a lot of this, whether it's through cowardice or whether it's through intention. There's a lot out there that's saying, realistically, we're in a bad situation. Now, just as the Blessed Mother prophesied through the children of Fatima that there'd be a second world war. And it was devastating. The, the 65 to 70 million estimated dead, unbelievable conflict that people could not imagine back in 1917 when these three little children talked about it would ever happen. Well, we've had other prophecies from the church approved, of course, Akita, Coapa, Nicaragua, um, Ida Perdiman in Amsterdam, Our Lady of All Nations, uh, Rwanda, Our Lady of Cabijo of global conflict that would even, you know, make, you know, World War II look um, sizably smaller to the cataclysmic disaster that could come, fire falling from the sky, a multitude of the world being annihilated and so forth. You address all this, I know, because LifeSite has been all over these things for so many years. Marian prophecies, church approved. The realistic view that, yes, Mary's heart, Mackin Heart will triumph, but there will be chaos and conflict in the process, just like a World War II. And we're seeing it in the Ukraine right now. People who say, well, I think it's going to be, you know, this triumph, it's going to be beautiful and wonderful. Well, the people in Ukraine right now are not looking at it the same way. They've been living through this for over 100 days at this point, and it's been brutal for them. And it's not anticipated to stop. And then you mentioned earlier before the show about the starvation, especially in places like Africa, that are going to be hit very soon. Now, here in the States, in Canada, we might weather this a little better because we do grow a lot of our own food. We can produce it here. But other parts of the world are going to be experiencing their own personal apocalypse because of this war and sanctions and all the corruption, even within, you know, the ranks of the so-called, I don't want to say, you know, I don't know what, who, I don't know who's on what side anymore. But can you address the realistic view that we are going to be suffering some serious, as we already are, catastrophe, chaos, um, as Our Lady's heart will triumph, of course. And I know you don't know the mind of God. I mean, you, you are very saintly. We know this. Um, we hear that you bilocate a lot. Um, yeah. Or maybe that's just your videos. I'm not sure what it is exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's never enough, you know, to just uh, look at the, the, the hope, although that's important, but we also need to realize that our Lord himself makes clear that, Look, if you're not towing the line the right way, you do have to atone for these things. And we've really, we've really got ourselves in a bad situation now with so many things that have been going on. What's your take on the global problem, the war, the talk of, of famine, food shortages in the U.S. here in the Midwest? They're talking about power outages this summer that could be really, really difficult, really devastating, even in big cities. Your take on all of these pieces of the puzzle to kind of bring this reality home so that we will turn to God and really find the true hope of being faithful to him in prayer and sacraments. What do you think? So there's an interesting thing going on in the same sort of way. People are denying a lot of things, even when they're warned, even by official sources about a coming shortage, they still deny it. So 
one of the things that's very easy to do for people, drive by your car lots, your new car lots, mm -hmm. and then wonder where are all the new cars? They're not there. Mm -hmm. Why are they not there? So go buy a Toyota plant. You're not going to find a new Toyota because they're behind because of what's going on. The food shortage, everyone's saying, oh, it's, yeah, it's being talked about. Well, who cares? And, and all of a sudden there was a baby food shortage and people went, oh, yeah, but that was just because, you know, there was something going on and it's not really real. People have got to wake up. And unfortunately, we in the West are not going to feel it as fast as the people in Africa will. So the amount of fertilizer that came out of Ukraine and is used then in Africa and elsewhere. Whereas we, a lot of the West, we have our own. Uh, they're not going to have it and they're going to feel the effects. The numbers that I've heard, they're talking about tens of millions of people starving to death in Africa. Oh. And so we are, and, and Africa, which is already suffering so much at the hands of the um, you know, Muslims who are persecuting Catholics. Just the other day, we had a Catholic church at Pentecost there for mass, at least 50 people killed, uh, you know, as, as gunmen entered the church and very little talked about, uh, you know, in the mainstream media here in the West um, because these are Catholics going to mass. The stuff is real. We have to prepare ourselves for it. And yes, that means actually physical preparation as well. People should have, at least, I don't know, I'd say the very, very minimum, three months worth of food and water at home, just as a, as a normal precaution. Did he, I, I think that's on the lightest side. Uh, probably you, Doug, would say way more. But mm -hmm. I think, you know, it only makes sense because these are realities. Mm -hmm. You've already seen it. Just go to your local car dealership and ask him, do you have some new car that you can send me is, that you can give me right now? Uh, I kid you not. I was in that situation because our car got into an accident and uh, we had to pick up another car. And uh, I was at one dealership where honestly, I, I tried to buy three different cars. And the first one, he said, oh, sorry, we don't have it. The second one, he said, oh, by the time you decided with me to sell it, was sold to somebody else. And the third one, they weren't going to sell anyway. Okay, that's really weird. And it was no special car. It was just a, a little SUV. Uh, but they could, you couldn't get it. So that's what we're dealing with. We're in a strange situation that in the West will perhaps have some delay. But this is coming. This is coming to us. You know, I've heard as early as the end of uh, the next month. So, mm -hmm. you know, we, we hear things. Right before the lockdowns, Someone told me, There's, we're going to be locked down. You're not going to be able to leave your house. It's, it's in about two or three days. So I told some people, especially my colleagues at work. And I had one colleague call me after a couple of days. It didn't happen. And say, oh, gosh, what did you tell me that for? I look like such a fool in front of all my family. A week later, we were all locked down. Mm. And uh, so, you know, these things are... It's hard for people to accept, but the one thing that is clear, which brings us back to hope, a realistic hope, is this, that underpinning so much of the woke culture, what's going on right now, the whole driving engine behind all of this, A, is that inability to understand and embrace suffering. That's the key universal experience. Right. And Christianity explains it. Christianity gives us the way of the cross as a blessing to participate in the suffering of Christ and unite our own sufferings with his. I talked just today to a pro-life woman who had spent her whole life fighting the pro-life movement, serving God to the best of her ability. One day she went to the doctor with a swollen arm. She found out she had stage four metastatic breast cancer had spread to her bones, her brain, her throat, her, uh, both humeruses and her femurs. And now she's gone through two years of pain, unbelievable pain, 
but also all this medical stuff forever and ever. And you know what she's doing? She's still in the pro-life fight. She's now a spokesman against euthanasia and assisted suicide. So she's using the very suffering she has to continue the pro-life fight in a heroic way, because normally she'd be the poster child for euthanasia. And so just like the women who were raped and then had their children anywhere and find healing from the rape and are great examples and spokesmen for the pro-life movement, just like the children who were conceived in rape, this lady, by having and suffering through this cancer, uniting it with the sufferings of our Lord has become a, a spokesman for pro-life still in her illness and sickness, like she never could have been otherwise. Yeah. So our Lord can use our embracing of him and suffering to bring good. And amazing things can happen on the level of the family. It's all about subsidiarity. It's what you're called to do with yourself, your small community, your family. Your, your, your school, work, whatever it is. But miracles can happen. Mm. And in fact, don't the scriptures say, Father, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more? That's right. And I think we have the most sin we've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. can calculate that yeah. because there's more people now than ever before and more porn and who knows what else. Mm. So just not metaphorically, actually, there's more sin than ever before. Yeah. And mm. if the scriptures are literal about that, then there's more grace for the asking than ever mm -hmm. before. Uh, I, I, um, I, I've been sensing, and maybe this is in the spirit, or I don't know. I, I always say, I, I, I hope I, you help me understand how it works, God, when I get to heaven. But anyways, uh, that, you know, Mary will crush the head of the serpent, but it's um, to Jesus through Mary. And you talk about... Uh, St. Louis de Montfort and his prayer of total consecration, it's a total consecration, right? It's a consecration to Jesus through Mary. And I, I can't help but feel like uh, we're in a time where we're to cling to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, yes, but to the Sacred Heart of Jesus right now. And I've been trying to help people to do what they can, for instance, to have your house blessed and enthrone the sacred heart in your house. Uh, you know, and, and we just uh, passed through 90 days where we worked hard at getting close as we could to the sacred heart of Jesus. We especially emphasized, take at least 15 minutes every day to just stop and just, just be quiet and let whatever happen happens. It's, it's called mental prayer. And, 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 and just let your heart, you know, Core et core loquitur. Heart speaks to heart. Let your hearts touch one another. My favorite prayer, and I pray it every day, probably several times, is uh, Jesus, keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me on the shed of your wings. And then I, I followed up with Mary, cover me in your mantle. But what does the apple of your eye mean? And I, I didn't learn this till late in my adult life. It actually means that you get so close to a person that you can see your reflection in their eyeball, right? So the sacred heart of Jesus, the immaculate heart of Mary, a time, and again, I hope we learned from what happened. Evil had easy access. Why? Because we were doing video games and drugs, <laughs> shopping and golfing. We were totally distracted in our worldly stuff and then maybe running into church and running out again if, if that um i i just think john henry wouldn't you say this is a time and if we're learning here if we're truly learning that we need to get spiritually strong okay and that means getting as close to the sacred heart of jesus the immaculate heart of mary as we can what do you think about that oh, i think it's beautiful we have the ultimate source of grace. People can, especially if you're in a normal city, you can get to daily mass. That's one thing I could never understand. Doug, you're kind of a businessman too. You want to work real hard for future investments. Mm -hmm. If someone told you, honestly, hey, I've got the greatest program. 
it's a better investment in this than in anything else in the world. Isn't it true, Father, that the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is the ultimate prayer? It's it's oh, yeah. better Source than anything else? Yeah, absolutely. So then why are we not going to daily Mass? I know. It doesn't make any sense. If there was a, there was a book I read once, uh, it's a pamphlet actually, just about, it was a, a, some guy who, who died and passed away and, and sort of came back, it was a near-death experience or whatever. His opinion was the value of a single mass was so much that he would have come back to earth and suffered a whole lifetime of suffering for one more mass. Wow. Once I heard that, I thought, I will never, ever, of my own volition, miss a daily mass. Never. Yeah. Because how? If it's worth my whole life anyway. Right. And and then I know I need it. I I don't think I'd survive as a Catholic, given where I was and my propensity to fall. I I don't trust myself. How well so, connected a person is by going to daily mass. It's just, it's incredible. I mean, it's, again, it's, you're not just rushing in and rushing out to fulfill an obligation. You're making the extra effort to be, get closer to the Lord and receive the greatest gift ever given to us, body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord. I mean, that's an act of love uh, for us to, to first believe that it is body, blood, soul, and divinity, but then to, to yearn for it. You mean I get to go again tomorrow morning? You know, if we get to that place, right? Yeah, and you get to see him. Yeah. It must be, it's an amazing thing for priests. I, um, I serve a lot. And uh, from up there, you get to see Jesus in the sacred host more. And yes, you can't see it like the apostles did. But you know that's what it is. You know with the eyes of faith, that's what it is. And so it brings to mind the, the words, there's an old guy in a story I heard about who would go to adoration. And the priest wondered because he always just sat at the back and he just sat there. He didn't do anything. And uh, the priest said, what do you pray? No, I don't. What are, you, what are you doing? He looks at me and I look at him. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And uh, it is everything. It's what we're we're aiming for with everything in us and, and how can it be any better? So we've got this opportunity and it's staring right. us in the face. For most of us, you can take the 25 minutes, whatever it is, maybe 45 minutes to go to mass daily. Right. Even if you do nothing else, you get to commune with the only one who really matters. Yeah. I think it's amazing to consider the title of this show, The Great Reset's Useless People, and the elites plan for them. And yet we talk about things such as mass <laughs> and prayer. Um, it shows that in God's eyes, no one is useless. No one is a useless people, person, individual. And God's plan is obviously completely different than what the elite, we call them the elites, you know, plan is. Uh, th this conflict between good and evil, this battle, you know, that, that's, that's, that's really upon us right now and mounting in intensity um, is, I think, so apparent in the prophecies of our Blessed Mother for so many years, especially from Fatima on, have really been crying out to the world the urgent call for conversion. And so much of it is rooted in exactly this prayer, sacraments, heart speaks to heart, relationship, encounter with God, seeing Christ in others. Um, you know, just a few minutes, really all we have left here, John Henry, what kind of parting words, parting encouragement do you have for the people out there? A lot of people look to LifeSite News. I know Father and I have many times, and I echo what Father said at the beginning of the program. You know, thank you so much for everything that you've been doing and are continuing to do. You know, we all obviously want to keep you and your effort and all your team in our prayers, you know, and us thank individual you. ministry and groups that are doing different things like this, just pray for each other and work together best we can. Um, so with that being said, though, what do you say to the people out there listening or watching, uh, as kind of a, Hey, let's make this the last, last statement, last thing, John Henry Weston says before he's marched into a camp somewhere <laughs> and never released again, because he's just too darn Catholic for the world. And the elites <laughs> don't want him out there anymore. And I know that we kind of laugh about that, but Hey, 
that's what Hitler did. That's what Stalin did. That's what Castro did. And I know there's uh, there's talk of your prime minister having some inter in interesting connections to Castro. We won't get into that right now. But <laughs> but what final words would you say to the people watching as if this were maybe let's make this your last. This isn't prophetic. Don't worry. Your last statement to the world, John Henry, for hope, for encouragement, for what we need to be doing in these very, very crucial times. I think it's really apropos to our, our topic today because Satan's program is exactly the opposite of God's. Mm. They talk about the elites and useless people, yet our Lord took it exactly backwards. He said, it is harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to enter the eye of a needle. The apostles were so shocked that they said, Lord, then how can anybody get to heaven? With man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. And of course, everybody knows the camel was a small man door in, in the wall. So camels had to crouch down to get through. But the point is, yes, we're small. Yes, we're little. Yes, the forces arrayed against us are impossible. But our Lord has given us the tools we need to be victorious for him. And what's that going to look like? It's going to look like loving Jesus. It's going to look like giving your life for him and embracing the cross, embracing the suffering that comes your way as also even an evidence that God is with you. And that's hard stuff. I know we've had a lot of suffering in, in our lives, our family life and everything else. But there's such a beauty in this time because you can take great hope in knowing that Jesus is the ultimate victor and let him sit as the king of your heart and he will guide you. We are in the octave of Pentecost still and we should be asking every day for the gifts of the Holy Ghost because you know what? A, there's seven days right after Pentecost Sunday, one day to ask for each of the gifts. And we still have lots of time for that. And if during the really dark days, right after the crucifixion, when the apostles and everybody were so dejected that they were walking on the road to Emmaus and couldn't even recognize Jesus and say about how this was so terrible, what had happened. Think of the light that came when the Holy Spirit came and gave them courage. Even during Jesus's resurrection, they still weren't... Uh, uh, they still didn't lose their fear. They still cowered in the upper room until the Holy Spirit came. Mm -hmm. That's the power for us. Mm. Ask and beg the Holy Spirit. Remember that today there's more sin around than ever before. So therefore, God has told us there'll be more grace than ever before. Yes. It's there for the asking. Ask and beg our Lord to grant us the Holy Spirit to do what we're called to do. And you will be fine, not in terms of the world, in terms of what really matters. Yeah. God love you. John Henry, thank you so much. This is maybe my favorite podcast. You're doing great things. And listen, uh, come Holy Spirit, right? Uh, I actually raised my hands uh, during mass, my masses this weekend. And with the authority given to me as a, a priest of God, uh, I asked for the Holy Spirit to come upon my parish family. I'd like to do that right now. But I asked everybody to first just stop for a few seconds and ask yourself, do I want this? And then if you do, say, God, please fill me with your light, your love, the power of your Holy Spirit. Let's just take a few seconds of silence so we, everybody can ask themselves or say that to God. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. What a joy to be with you, Doug, and Father. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, John Henry.